Because I believe that, as I've already stated, that God wants to put a sword in our children's hands. When Sister Teresa began to talk about her illustration, I thought there for a minute she would just preach what I've already felt uh, for this service. But I want to talk to us tonight for, again, very few moments. I promise to be very brief. But I want to talk to us about a sword in small hands. A sword in small hands. The moment had finally arrived. The former slaves had experienced freedom from their captives. They had enjoyed a a few months of ease and, and, and plenty. They were living their best life in a way that they had only dreamed of in the past. Now they stood ready to enter into the land that had been promised to them for generations. But the excitement quickly changed from excitement to dismay when a small number of spies, ten in number, brought back a report filled with anxiety and fear. Oh yes, they all agreed the land was great. Yes, they were certain that it was everything they had ever dreamed of and longed for. But they came with dire news that the land was filled with people that had no intention of ever sharing their land with these newcomers. Not only were these nations firmly entrenched in the promised land, but these ten spies reminded the people and let them know the dismal news that there were giants in that land. They towered over the Israelis. They towered over God's people and they looked at them as if they were an insurmountable obstacle, something that they could not get past. And so, according to these ten spies, Israel couldn't take the promised land. Their report resulted in an entire nation weeping in dismay. They questioned their leadership. They wondered at God's wisdom. They had more questions than they had answers. And in Numbers 14, verses 2 through 3, the Bible tells us this about this incident. All the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt. Would God we had died in this wilderness. Wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto the land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be prey. Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? They looked at the obstacles. They looked at the fear. They looked at all the things around them and they worried not just about themselves, but they worried for their children. Here we are in a new land and there's no way that they, our babies, can make it if we, if we fail and not succeed. God's response to their unbelief was absolutely devastating. God would declare unto them in Numbers 14 that none of them, no one over the age of 20, would ever enter into the promised land. Their punishment was to see the promised land, but never actually capture the promised land. They would not get their fulfilled promise. They would die in a dusty wilderness. But then God does something in a twist of irony. He tells Moses in Numbers 14, 31, You tell the people, your little ones, which you said should be a prey, them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which ye have despised. The people of God failed to trust the word of God, and in an attempt to protect their children from an enemy that God had already promised them, they actually failed to take 
their promise. Now, church, I, I will be the first to admit today that there is no doubt in our world that our world is lost our society is godless. We live in a world that calls good evil and evil good. We look at so-called men of God who have prostituted the gospel for prosperity and popularity. Mainstream entertainment has painted sin as fun and laughable and has painted the church and godliness as something archaic, out of date, and irrelevant. Our school campuses have become battlefields, both physically and spiritually, with active shooters and, 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 and humanism and, and, and postmodernism being taught and propagated across our campuses. And as apostolic parents, we would really like I would really like uh, to hide my children from the enemies that lurk in the shadows. Yet I've come to the conclusion that the reality is our best efforts are not sufficient to completely isolate our children from attack. It seems like the best I do, uh, I still can't hide them from the enemy. And so I've come today with this proclamation, not only to me and my family, but to this church, that now is not the time to hide. Now is the time to march boldly into the promised land, trusting God, and yet equip our children to fight in the Spirit. Oh, I want you to hear me right now. And again, I'm going to be mindful of the time. Understand first and foremost uh, that God uh, will fight uh, for his people. I don't care how dark the world may be. Uh, I don't care how evil the society may become. Uh, I don't care how godless uh, it may look. The reality is uh, there is a God that will never leave us nor forsake us. Uh, he will be our very present help in time of trouble. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, against our children the spirit of the Lord shall raise a standard against him we do not go alone we do not walk alone the spirit of the Lord is with us today hallelujah but hear me hear me today we must equip our children Oh, I know we attempt to do this on a day-to-day -day basis. That's why we provide them a quality education. That's why we do our best to teach them life skills and hope and pray that they get good jobs and become incredible citizens and do their part and pay taxes and so we can all collect Medicare. Amen? But understand something. We've got to do more than just equip them to exist in this present world. We must teach them and equip them how to exist in the spirit world. Oh, what, what value is it if a man gave his, gained the whole world but lose his soul? Uh, that ought to be in the forefront of our minds as parents and grandparents, as aunts and uncles, as a church family. We ought to say, no, 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 uh, I'm thankful for your accomplishments, uh, but we want to teach you and equip you how to operate uh, in the Holy Ghost. Uh, we've got to teach you how to pray. Uh, we're going to teach you how to worship. Uh, we're going to teach you how to operate in the gifts. Uh, we're going to teach you how to teach teach a Bible study. We're going to teach you how to win the lost. We're going to equip you to operate in the Spirit. Moses in his last discourse to the children of Israel lays down this principle in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 1 through 9. Oh, we know part of it. It was quoted well ago. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that ye might do them in the land whether ye go to possess it that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee. Thou and thy son 
and thy son's son all the days of thy life and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it that it may be well with thee and that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God thy father of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And too many times we stop right there. But this is what Moses tells the people of God. Oh, and these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand. They shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. They shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. Moses was trying to tell the people of God, it's not good enough for you to know it. It's not just good enough for you to live it. You've got to pass it on to the next generation. It's an admonition to teach and equip these children. Church, I'm here to tell you it is our due diligence, it is our job to carry this word of God and pass it on to the next generation. We've got to equip them. Not just hope they don't backslide. Not just hope that they make it to heaven. But that we equip them to go into the world and be world changers. To be followers of Jesus Christ we've got to give them a sword in small hands you have to understand today that Israel was well equipped to fight in the promised land but they feared not just for their own lives they feared for their children and God looked at them and said that's okay I'm going to put a sword in their hand if you won't pick up the sword Brother, Brother Ford, would you bring me my sword today? We've got to have a sword in our hands. You see, the sword in Scripture is very clear. When Paul writes to the church in Ephesians chapter 6, he tells them to put on the whole armor of God. Stand, because uh, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and all of those things. He begins to talk about the armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the sword. He talks about the, the, the breastplate of righteousness, loins girt about with truth, uh, uh, the shoes shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and so forth and so on. But he reminds the church uh, that you've got to pick up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. If you've got to pick up the sword, uh, the author of Hebrews would remind us in Hebrews 4 and 12, for the Word of God is quick and it is powerful and it is sharp than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. My friends, we've got a sword. It's not just a book that sits on the shelf. It's not just an app on your phone. It's a sword. It's the sword that when God manifests in the flesh came against Satan himself. He did not counsel him. He did not pray for him. He did not try to praise him away, but he simply stated, as it is written. What happened was, is he pulled the sword and said, I'll show you how to fight the adversary. 
We need a sword. But I would be doing a disservice to my children if all I did was keep my hand on the sword. Hear me today. God is equipping us as a church, as families, to pass the sword. It is the will of God for swords to be in small hands. Come here, Bubba. He's been waiting all night for this. My job as his dad is not just to put clothes on his back and food on the table and make sure that we've got a car to get us to and from church and the grocery store. My job is, Bubba, I've got to teach you how to use the sword. I've got to show him how to pick up the sword. Go ahead and pick it up, buddy. Go ahead and pick it up. It's heavy, isn't it? Here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. What we're doing in Bible quizzing is teaching them how to use the sword. But the reality is it's too heavy for them to use in battle right now. It's too heavy right now for them to try to war against the enemy. It's too big for them right now to know how to dodge every every blow, how to parry the blow, and how to thrust with accuracy. They don't have it all figured out yet. So, Mama and Daddy, I need you to come alongside these babies and say, I'm going to trust you with a sword. But I'm going to teach you how to use it. I'm going to operate with you in the spirit. I heard something. I heard something just this week that stirred me at General Conference. The service on Thursday, the children's ministry service. Brother Jonathan McDonald from Eureka, California preached. And he made a statement. He said, I remember growing up in a preacher's home. I remember being about 14, 15 years old, having a youth outing at the house. Bunch of young people at the house. He said, I remember somewhere in the, in the fun, it turned into a prayer meeting. And in the midst of that prayer meeting, meeting uh, a young man uh, begin to begin to uh, reveal show us um, he was possessed with the spirit Uh, he began to uh, act out like only a demonic spirit can act out Uh, and as the Holy Ghost began to move he began to yell things and curse and spit Uh, he would take his hair according to Brother McDonald and he would pull his hair out by the handfuls uh, and he would then stuff that in his mouth and try to chew it up Uh, and he said I remember being a young teenager standing in front of that devil possessed boy uh, saying in Jesus name come out Uh, he had spit all that hair all over me and I'd say in Jesus name come out he said and I was not afraid uh, not because of who I was uh, but because my daddy was standing right next to me uh, and I knew as long as my daddy was there there was no my God I feel the Holy Ghost Uh, we've got to equip them with the sword Uh, God wants to give us revival but we've got to equip the next generation to say hey I I know you're five but you can learn the word of God and I know you're eight but you can worship and I know you're 13 but you can teach a Bible study I want to equip small hands with the sword quickly somebody come back to the piano I'm done everybody stand I told you I was going to do my best to be brief you see Bible quizzing is not an activity for you to fill a calendar with Hear me today, I'm not trying to promote another ministry of the United Pentecostal Church. My goal today is to give you a tool. It's to give you a tool to help you, to help you and your children make it to heaven. Pastor, are you telling us that our children are going to be lost if they don't Bible quiz? I'm not telling you that. My wife's living for God. She was not a Bible quizzer. I think she turned out all right. I know Bible quizzers that have gone off the deep end. 
What I'm saying is, don't wait till they're 18 to put a sword in their hand. Don't wait till they're 21 on a college campus and try to put a sword in their hand. Don't wait until God calls them in the middle of the night with a dream. No, put a sword in their hand when they're five. (laughs) Oh, he's considered the greatest king Israel ever had. The greatest king Israel ever had. Under David's leadership, they were established as a nation and the favor of God was on the people of God. David's first true introduction is in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And David, this young boy, goes against the champion of the Philistines. He's got a sword. David's got a sling. And I wonder what would have happened, how the story would be so different if daddy had never put a sling in David's hand. I wonder what would have been written in the word of God had Jesse never said, Bubba, just try not to hit the sheep. (laughs) But here's a sling. And here's how you use it. And I wonder tonight how many lives are going to be changed because Noah's learning the word of God. I wonder tonight how many lives are going to be changed because Peyton, Baylor, and Leyland have already said they're going to be Bible quizzers and they're wanting to learn the Word of God. Oh no, it probably won't happen tomorrow because at the end of the day, there's still five. But oh, I wonder when it transitions from being five and a quizzer to be in 25 and anointed and an evangelist. I'll go ahead and tell you, I'm here today because of Bible quizzing. So I pull no punches when it comes to this ministry. I believe the greatest thing we can do is put a sword in the hand of our babies. This is not a traditional service, I know that, but I wonder right now if you'd lift your hands and lift your voice. I'm going to ask mama and daddies that you begin to prayerfully consider how you can get your babies involved in this ministry. Yes, it's a lot of work. Raising kids is a lot of work. But I want you to begin to ask God, God, what can I do to put a sword in my baby's hands? How can I help them be what you've called them to be? How can I create an atmosphere in my home where the word of God is being quoted and read day in and day out? Oh, how, what can I do, Lord? How can I do this? Come on, God wants to use you. God wants to use your babies. It is our job to protect their anointing. It is our job to keep them safe. Uh, And it is our job to put a sword in their hand uh, and say, come on, baby, you can be used of God. Uh, You've got a calling of God. Uh, You've got anointing on you. Uh, The Lord loves you, and the Lord's got a plan for your life. Uh, Come on, church, let's just respond right now to the word of the Lord. Uh, We need you, Jesus.